Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am very excited that you are joining me today. I am going to share another interview with you from the Talent Development Virtual Summit, and this one is with the great Marshall Goldsmith, who you probably know as uh, one of the most popular, successful executive coaches in the world. Uh, He's published many books, including What Got You Here, Won't Get You There. Uh, He's world-renowned in the leadership space, in the coaching space, Uh, and I know many of you know him and follow him because When I had him on the virtual summit, many people celebrated that uh, and were really excited to watch his session and uh, join in on the live Q&A that we did with him as well. Um, And I was excited to talk to him for the first time as well, uh, and I'm going to share that with you today. By the way, uh, if you didn't listen to our episode last week, my first book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, just came out a week ago. It is available now on Amazon. And if you go to the page on Amazon and read the editorial reviews, or you get your hands on the book and you open it up to, I think it's the second page that says praise for own your career, own your life. uh, You'll see we have uh, almost 20 endorsements there from different authors from around the country and the world. And the first recommendation, the first endorsement for my book right there at the top is from Mr. Marshall Goldsmith, the number one executive coach and best-selling author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life, or sorry, not, that would be me, the best-selling author of What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Um, I am the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life, um, and I learned a lot from him, um, and I'm grateful that I got to connect with him and that he was able to review my book and, uh, and give it the endorsement, as well as for all the other endorsements I have received. So if you haven't picked up your copy of the book yet, I would love for you to go get the book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and um, give it a read and let me know what your feedback is. Leave a review on Amazon. I greatly appreciate you for that. Now, getting back to my interview with Marshall, this was an interesting one. I'll be honest, I haven't 
followed all of his work that closely, and I planned on talking about talent development in this interview, but that's not exactly Marshall's uh, expertise. He's more about leadership and coaching, and um, that's what he came prepared to talk about. And um, so there's a couple interesting moments where I feel like I asked him a couple questions that uh, he didn't really want to go into, um, but still a really great interview. And then the other really interesting thing is at the end... Mm or near the end, uh, it gets into a bit of a coaching session where Marshall is coaching me and giving me feedback. And it's very constructive feedback, by the way. Uh, I actually cut this part from the session that we published on the Talent Development Virtual Summit. So even if you attended the Virtual Summit and you watched my session with Marshall, you probably didn't hear or see this part because I cut it out for the Virtual Summit. Uh, mostly because I felt like it was a distraction. It didn't add value for the virtual summit. So for the virtual summit, I wanted quick, efficient interviews that gave a ton of value in about 25 minutes. Um, this interview is a little bit longer because it includes the portion where Marshall starts giving me very constructive feedback at the end. And I'll be honest, I feel like I'm being very vulnerable in publishing this because it came as a very big surprise to me. Um, I didn't know how to quite to respond. Um, but I am curious to know what you think. I want you to listen to it and reflect on the advice that he's giving me and uh, think about whether you do the things that he's talking about and could you learn from the experience and you know what do you think about everything that he talked about. Uh, I think there's a lot of value and wisdom to be gained from this interview and uh, I'm excited to share it with you today. So without further ado, here is my interview with Marshall Goldsmith from the Talent Development Virtual Summit. Take a listen. Ready to learn from the number one most influential leadership thinker in the world? If you are involved at all in talent or leadership development, then you'll want to tune into this session. The world is changing fast, and what got you here will certainly not get you there. Definitely not to the next level of success with the way everything has changed. Hi, my name is Andy Storch, your host, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's legendary summit speaker, Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall is an author, speaker, executive coach, and major influencer in the fields of leadership and talent development. He's the author and editor of over 40 books, including three New York Times bestsellers, such as What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, and that have sold over 2.5 million copies. Marshall is the only two-time winner of the Thinkers 50 Award for the number one leadership thinker in the world and has been ranked the number one executive coach in the world and top 10 business thinker for the past eight years. Welcome, Marshall, and thank you for joining me on the Talent Development Virtual Summit. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Marshall. I think a lot of people tuning in are already very familiar with your background and some of your work with the many books that you've had out there that have been very successful. And I know you are big on adapting and changing with the times. You wrote the famous book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And things have changed a lot over the last few months uh, with the COVID pandemic and so many companies around the world sending their workers home to work remotely, to work virtually. And I'm wondering from your perspective, what are some of the biggest changes that have happened in the workplace under COVID? Well, we're living under a period of incredibly rapid change. And 
One, obviously, is we now have virtual interactions almost exclusively. We don't know how long this will last. Two is people are not going to work in the same way that they used to, so who knows how long that'll last. But three is it's just the importance of adopting to a period where everything changes, where everything changes so rapidly that whatever you thought was going to work in the past may or may not be suitable for the future. And very hard today for people to keep focus, to keep alignment, clarity. Yeah, and what, so you mentioned that, that focus, alignment, clarity. Um, and yet at the same time, we're hearing that a lot of organizations are reporting that engagement and productivity is still up, uh, but there are plenty of yes. other challenges, right? What are some of the biggest challenges and barriers you've heard about and seen, um, especially with regards to engaging and developing people in this new virtual world? Well, uh, one thing is just teaching people to block out distraction. Because right now we have so much distraction in the virtual world. You have a lot of potential distraction. You've got your cell phone is there. You, you, you notice people on Zoom meetings can easily just get lost. And I think a, a, a couple of learning points. I'm a student of more Eastern philosophy. And one thing is the world's most famous poem is called the Bhagavad Gita. And there's a lot of good learning from there for people today. The, in the Gita, the protagonist is a person who's a general and Krishna is his charioteer and the Arjuna is saying, oh, this is terrible. I got to do this, which is bad. I have to do that, which is worse. Life is so awful. And basically is told by Arjuna, suck it up. I was just told by Krishna, suck it up. Well, in the world today, just a few simple guidelines you can get from that good philosophy. One is accept what is. Uh, one term I think is a good term for today is called uh, pragmatic optimism. I got that from my friend Bill Carrier. The importance of don't sugarcoat things. I find people today really like authenticity even more than ever. Don't sugarcoat things. It's not a great time for pep talks or motivational speeches. People want to, the reality out there for many people is hard. Productivity may be up for some people, but the numbers for millions of people are not so chipper out there. It's tough for a lot of people. So the first thing is having the reality of accepting what is. You don't love it, but you accept what is. And then number two is not getting fixated on the results. I mean, not getting fixated on the outcomes, which you don't have total control over. Focus on the process. Focus on the process. Then an idea behind the, the Gita is just do your best. Do your best, focus on what is. and. One of my great uh, people in my 100 coaches program that I've adopted is named Harry Kramer. And Harry was a CEO of Baxter. He's often asked, how do you deal with tough times? How do you have to lay people off and fire people? How do you sleep with yourself? And he said, well, you know, two things. One, I ask myself, am I doing what I think is right? And two, am I doing my best? If the answer is yes and yes, well, that's all you can do. So back to the Gita, that's about it. You know, you have to accept what is, have a clear strategy, do your best and make peace. Don't get fixated on the outcomes. They have a parable, the parable of the golfer and the beer can. So they're on the last hole with the little country club championship. The golfer is kind of annoyed. The people in front of him are now noisy, drinking, but he focused, hits the last drive, goes right where he wants it to. It hits a beer can and goes off onto the side into the rough, terrible lot. What happened? He walks toward the ball. He sees that 
there's a beer can there that was left by the idiots in front of them. Angry, those idiots, how could they have done this? Ruining my game, he walks to the ball. What does he need to learn? Breathe. Forget about the idiots in front of you. Forget about the shot. Forget about winning the championship. Accept what is. Here you are. You're in the rough. It is what it is. Number two. First is accept what it is. Come up with a strategy. All right. If you're one shot behind, you want to go for the tie, you go for the green. If you're three shots ahead, you pitch over and go to the fairway. But you have to have a strategy. Forget about the past. Forget about the future. You walk up. You've got a strategy. Hit the shot in front of you. Hit the shot in front of you. And today, that's so hard to do with so much noise and distraction. And one final thing I teach people, and by the way, I'll send you a copy of it, Andy, if any of your readers or listeners would like it, or they can send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. Just say six-question coaching. It's a very simple coaching process I teach all my clients. It's really good today. About every so often, you have a dialogue with every direct report and say, you cover six basic questions. Question number one, where are we going? That's kind of the big picture. Where are we going, the larger picture? And then ask the person, where do you think we should be going? Number two, where are you going? Where do you think you and your part of the business are going? And then where do you think you should be going? Number three, doing well. As a leader, you say, here's what I think you're doing well. And then you ask, what do you think you're doing well? What are you proud of? That's a good question. What are you proud of? You might learn some new things. Number four, suggestions for the future. And as you mentioned, I'm a proponent more of feed forward than feedback. Don't dredge up the humiliating past. Moving forward, here are ideas that have helped you do even better. And then ask the person, if you were, great question. If you were the coach for you, what ideas would you have? Very good question. Then number five, as a leader, how can I help? And number six, what ideas do you have for me? Well, I've done this with so many of my clients. I've got seven CEOs I've done this with. And in my coaching, I don't get paid if they don't get better. And better is not judged by them or me. It's judged right around them. I get paid seven times out of seven with this. This pretty much always works. The key to make it work, though, is called mutual responsibility. Because this is a period of rapid change. It sounds like this. Andy, let's imagine that I'm your manager. Okay. I'd say, Andy, I'm going to cover these six basic issues with you on as-needed basis. But there's one thing I want you to understand. This is a period of rapid change. The goals today may not be our goals six months from now. They may change. They may change six weeks from now, six hours from now. I want to have a regular dialogue with you, though, when things change, so we have alignment. And I want you to help me. This is called mutual responsibility. If you ever feel a lack of alignment, a lack of clarity, distracted, overcommitted, I want you to take responsibility and talk to me. Because if you do your job to make sure that we're aligned, and I do my job, there's no reason we should have any problem. And by the way, we may not have the right answer, but I want you to have an answer at any second in time. I want you to have your priorities at any second in time. And in other words, back to the golf story, hit the shot. Hit the shot. Block out the distractions. Block out the noise. Hit the shot. Do what you think is right. Do your best. Make peace. Move forward. Hit the shot. Yeah, and and deal with the situation in front of you without spending a ton of time worrying about how we got here, right? There's we could talk about how everything has changed and how it used to be and how it used to be so great, right? 
in, in better times and obviously and, different industries. And, 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 and it's not fair and it, it's not fair. Right. It's, really, it's not fair. Well, welcome to the world. It's not fair. Yeah, you're right. It's not fair. You, you broke the code. It's not fair. <laughs> you're right. That's, I hear that enough from my children. Um, what, you know, and one of the impetus, part of the impetus for organizing the summit was that I saw a lot of people sitting around waiting for things to return back to quote normal. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's not going to happen, right? Things have completely changed and we've got to deal with what we have in front of us now and be willing and able to pivot to adapt to these virtual times because it's not going back to normal anytime soon. High probability, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And so you you got to you got to be able to hit the shot. And very important to let go of what you can't change. In my book, Triggers, I have one great question to ask yourself before you do anything. And by the way, if you're if your uh, listeners don't learn anything else but this question, this is going to be they're going to have a better life and be happier. What's the question? Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? The answer is yes, go for it. The answer is no, let it go. Like all that crap you're talking about, you're not going to change it. You're not going to change the global economy. You're not going to change Donald Trump. You're not going to change Joe Biden. You're not going to change uh, COVID. I mean, we can talk about that though hell freezes over, right? You're not going to do one thing about it. So what are you going to make? Peter Drucker said our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove we're smart, not to prove we're right. If we're not making a positive difference, why are we dealing with this? Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? If the answer is yes, no matter how hard it is, go for it. The answer is no. Let go. I love that. And you know, the audience that we're speaking to, uh, primarily working in talent development, learning and development, I think they are really poised to make a positive difference because there's nothing more important in an organization than the people. And right now they are serving the people right. who are working remotely and enabling them to get their job done and, and keep them engaged and, and hopefully developed. One of the challenges that I'm hearing is that they're struggling, you know, with things changing so fast with um, these urgent demands from their leaders and yet not really getting as much support or buy-in for the things they want to do as they may like. And I know you work with a lot of CEOs and executives. What advice do you have for those out there in talent development, learning and development to be able to get more or better buy-in from or executive support for some of the, the projects or things they want to invest in doing? You may or may not be able to. It depends on the industry. The reality is when people in a time of financial crisis, they don't make long-term investments typically. Why? There's no short-term payoff. And if you're going bankrupt, you're not going to spend a whole lot of time on long-term leadership development. You're going to try to survive. So it really depends how hard it is. And sometimes your challenge is not to do what's good for the long-term, but save yourself in the short-term so that there is a long-term. Because, you know, if you go broke, there is no long-term. So if you look at it, um, it's hard out there for a lot of people. Dave, do you know who Dave Chang is, a restaurant guy? Um, anyway, yeah. Dave's a good friend of mine. He's one, he's one of the world's top restaurant guys. Three of his restaurants just went bankrupt. Maybe they're all going to go bankrupt. Well, you know, he didn't have any money for long-term development. He's trying to stay alive. So it really depends on the situation. If you're in a position you have the luxury to invest in the long term, that's fantastic. 
the best thing the development people can do in the short term is help them stay alive. Mm. And sometimes that's it. Sometimes that's it. We're talking about you know, maintaining. So it really depends on the industry. Other industries are doing great, by the way. I mean, yeah. some companies, Amazon, Microsoft, et cetera, they're doing fantastic. So they can make those long-term investments. Yeah, so paying attention to the needs of the business industry you're in and, and looking to where you can add value anywhere you go. Um, speaking of that, uh, along those lines, uh, you know, one of the most important things to do before you go out and invest in new programs, coaching, whatever it may be, I think is to kind of assess the landscape and figure out where people are and what they need. And I know you did, uh, I was reading your newsletter recently about engagement surveys and the importance of understanding you know, where your people are. Um, what advice do you have or what do you suggest as far as like, how do we assess where people are and, and what they need, especially in this new volatile world? Well, I've got a very different strategy for engagement I can teach people. Uh, I went to a presentation at the National Academy of Human Resources on the topic of employee engagement. And they had three of the top HR people in the world. I'm a fellow in the National Academy of Human Resources. They had three of the top people in the world make presentations, right? Three heads of HR for huge companies. And I said, what is related to engagement? Well, they talked about training and talent development and empowerment and fair compensation and, you know, the same stuff I've been hearing basically for 30 years. Then they said, well, global employee engagement's an all-time low. I'm going, well, you know, wait a minute. We've been doing the same thing for 30 years. Why is global employee engagement all-time low? Then I realized something. 100% of the dialogue in employee engagement was what can the company do to engage you? And absolutely 0% was what can you do to engage yourself? This is not an exaggeration, by the way. 100% it's the company's problem. 0% it's your problem. You have no problem. It's all about the company. This is training people to be victims. Well, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking you're missing half of an equation. Everything they said was good. I had no problem with what they did say. The problem is what they did not say. I want a typical American Airlines flight. There's two flight attendants, one positive, motivated, upbeat, enthusiastic, one's negative, bitter, and cynical. Same pay, same uniform, same employee engagement program. What's the difference? It's not the outside of it. Then I shared all this with my daughter, Kelly. Kelly got a PhD from Yale. She's a professor at Vanderbilt. And Kelly studied this and said, you know, everything in employee engagement revolves around passive questions. What's a passive question? Do you have clear goals? Do you have meaningful words? Do you have a friend at work? All passive questions. Kelly's point is if you ask anyone a passive question, they give you a negative response and blame the environment. Do you have clear goals? No, why not? They're confused. Do you have meaningful work? No, no, they make me do trivia. Do you have a best friend at work? No, they're all jerks. It's their fault. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Well, Kelly taught me the idea of asking active questions, especially to begin with the phrase, did I do my best too? So we've done some amazing research on this. Just have every employee ask themselves these six questions every day. You'll get more improvement in engagement than you get by spending $5 million. What are the questions? Number one, that I do my best to set clear goals. Not did the company set clear goals for me. Today, did I do my best to set my own goals? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward achieving my own goals? Rather than wait for somebody to engage me, did I do my own best? Number three, did I do my best to find meaning? Rather than saying, did the company give me meaning? Did I do my best to find meaning? Number four, did I do my best to be happy? We're not saying, did someone make me happy? Did I do my best to make myself happy? Number five, did I do my best to build positive relationships? Rather than saying, do you have a friend at work? Were you the friend? And finally, number six, did I do my best to be fully engaged? 
rather than saying, did the company engage me? Did I engage myself? The results on this are amazing. Get people to do this every day. Everything goes up. Engagement, clarity, everything starts getting better. What? You quit wasting your time on what you're not going to change, and you take responsibility for what you can change, and you do that. And I have these weekly meetings now called the LPR process with 50 amazing people. These are like one guy was quote the head of the World Bank and the head of the Mayo Clinic and Curtis Martin, the NFL Hall of Fame, and Paul Gasol, a basketball player. And I've got actors, I've got CEOs, I've got all kinds of people. Every week we go through this. Every week we deal with all this topics. And, you know, they're in a different group every week. We have these discussions and it's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I've heard you talk about that, you know, going from this passive questions to active. And it really helps people take more ownership of their own career and development, something I'm really big on actually working on a book on that subject now. And um, my question, I'd love to talk to you about that wait, later. Let me ask, let me ask you, let me ask you, wait, 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 let me ask you a question. What would you give yourself on the average day to the answer to this question? Did I do myself? Did I do my best to be happy today? What score would you give yourself? Oh, for me, average day. Yeah. Probably eight or nine. I'm pretty happy. I, I do what I can to That's be good. happy most days. Yeah. I don't, the average score in the world is about a five and a half. I believe it. The average in the world is about five and a half. Yeah. So I'm with all these people that are brilliant people who forget to be happy. Right. They get so busy achieving stuff. And, you know, I, in my book, Triggers, three of them are medical doctors. So I write about it in the book. And I have the permission, obviously, to use their name. Jim Kim, who is president of World Bank, has a simultaneous MD and PhD with honors in anthropology from Harvard in five years. John Noseworth, he's head of the Mayo Clinic at the time. And Raj Shaw, who is head of USAID, is now head of the Rockefeller Foundation. So, you know, all three, really bright. So I asked him this question. How would you score and did I do my best to be happy on an average day? You know what they said? Never, never dawned on me to try to be happy. I said, they're all medical doctors. Did it dawn on you you're going to die? Did you figure that one out? Did they teach you that in medical school? Oh, yeah, yeah. They figured out the die business, right? Yeah. I said, you think this is a silly question? I said, no, they just forgot to ask. Yeah. Well, it's something I've thought about a lot, and it's because I've also done a lot of self-assessment to figure out what I enjoy doing and then found work that I love. I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily get there, and I'm curious, you know, obviously people as individuals need to take responsibility for their own careers and lives, and that's part of what we're talking about, and that's, you know, what the book is that I'm, that I'm writing as well, but how can organizations help enable them more? What can organizations do to create that environment or that culture where people can find that happiness? Is it as simple as asking those questions? Because I feel like there's gotta be more involved. Well, you know, I'd have the organizations, I'm not an expert on answering that question. I mean, if you wanna know what leads to employee engagement, there's a million people who've answered that question. You don't right. need to ask me. You could, you could answer the question better than I could probably. My only suggestion is they are where they are. Yeah. They are where they are. All right, option A, why? Option B, make the best of it. Teach people to start making the best of it. Quit whining. Yep. Well, and I think- I'm often uh, asked a question. Are, 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 are leaders today better or worse than ever? Some, I, a ridiculous question. One person said, are there more leaders who are bullies today than ever before? Insane question. We used to have kings and we used to have sweatshops and 
leaders are so much nicer than they used to be in the past, right? It's ridiculous, stupid question. Did you ever read a history book, right? Yeah, the guy in the cave wasn't too touchy-feely. He beat the crap out of you. That was life for most of our history as a species, right? right? right. Yeah, wine, wine, wine. Our leader's meaner than ever. What, what planet are you from? Right. Here's the difference, though. People are more aware than ever and more sensitive yeah. than ever. Let's yeah. take medical doctors, right? I work in hospitals a lot of, with a lot of hospitals. Head of the Mayo Clinic I've worked with, head of St. Jude's Children's Hospital, head of the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Brilliant people. In hospitals, in the old days, the doctors would yell and scream at the interns, swear at them, call them names. That was part of life. Yeah. Well, they, they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Yet they get more complaints today in terms of the behavior of the managers than they did then. Mm. Their behavior is 20 times better today than it used to be. Yeah. But the sensitivity has gone up so much more and people are more aware, which is a good thing. On the other hand, it's just different. So leaders need to learn we're dealing in a different world. You can't act like you're used to. It is what it is. Make peace. Yeah. What is the number one job of a leader? And has that changed at all uh, with all their employees being virtual instead of being able to engage with them in the office? Like, how do, how do you be more successful as a leader? Well, I'll answer a question I can answer myself, which maybe that isn't it. The question I can't answer is, what's the variable to help a leader get better? Because that's what I do for a living. I help yeah. successful leaders get better. And there's three factors. One is courage. It takes courage to look in the mirror. Like that daily question process I talked about, half the people quit in two weeks. I personally have someone call me on the phone every day to make sure I do this. Every day someone calls me. Someone said, well, why do you have someone call you every day? Don't you know the theory about how to change behavior? I wrote the theory about how to change behavior. That's why I have someone call me every day. Right. My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm, I'm too cowardly to do this by myself and too undisciplined that I need help. And it's okay. Well, the first thing you need is courage. I don't have the courage to do this crap by myself. Second thing is you need discipline. It's hard work to get better. You have to do the day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to -day hard work to get better. You don't get better because you read a book or go to a motivational speech. You get better when you work, right? If you don't work, you don't get better. I did a study called Leadership as a Context Work. 86,000 people in a research study. They all went to my class. The people that did the work, followed up, talked to people, stuck with it, got better. People just sat there and applauded at the end. Shockingly, did not get better. Nobody got better because of me. They get better because of them. Yeah, you got to work. So you need courage, you need discipline, and you need humility. You know what I've learned as a coach? I really can't help perfect people. Mm. Someone's perfect. No, nothing I can do to help them. Right. They have to have enough humility to admit they can improve. Yeah. This, this is the same reason. I mean, I, I'm with you and same reason I am I'll call myself, you know, hungry, a lifelong learner, obsessed with growth and, and never refer to myself as an expert because you never have it all figured out, right? There's always more you can learn. And you want to work with more people that are like that. You want your leaders to be like that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, as you see things shifting and those questions, the work you've done, um, how the best leaders improve, how the best leaders interact with their people, has that changed markedly in any way in a virtual world where people are working remotely? And they don't see their I people. I just think it's, it's just accelerated trends. 
Mm. I don't think the trends have changed much, but I think the degree of acceleration is even higher. Uh, Peter Drucker said the leader of the past knew how to tell the leader of the future and knows how to ask. See, today people manage knowledge workers. They know more what they're doing than you do. You can't tell them what to do and how to do it. You gotta ask, you have to listen and learn. And the more quickly the world changes, you don't know that much as a leader. You're not the expert on everything. You're not some little god that can tell people what to do and how to do it. You've got to ask, you've got to listen, you've got to continuously learn. It's a new world. Uh, one of the greatest leaders ever met is Alan Mulally. Alan was probably the best CEO in America in the last 20 years. He went to Ford, the stock was at $1 and one cent. He left with $18.40. The stock went up 1,837% when he was the CEO. And he got, had 97% approval rating from every employee in the union company. They love that guy. Just a great guy, great person, great leader. Well, you know, what I learned from him, he didn't try to be an expert. He didn't know anything about a car company. So the first meeting is at Ford, funny story. So he goes to Ford, they're losing $17 billion, $17 billion. He says, okay, the top 16 leaders, five priorities, red, yellow, green. Red, yellow, green. Green, on plan. And yellow, I'm not on plan, but I have a strategy. And red, I'm not on plan, but I have no strategy. Red, yellow, green. So the first meeting, 16 leaders, five priorities, 80 priorities, red, yellow, green. So they all say, green, green. So he says, no, wait, we're losing $17 billion and we're all on plan. Maybe it's a bad plan. <laughs> a bad plan, bad plan. <laughs> Let's have a new plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does that. Finally, some guy says, red. Alan stands up and applause. Thank you for having the courage to say red. Then he said something that to me is indicative of the new world of leadership. He said, you know, you're not on plan. You don't know how to get there. You're red. It's okay. So I want to assure you one thing. My name is Alan Mulally. I'm the CEO of Ford Motor Company. I know less than you. Mm. I know less than you. In fact, you have a problem. There's probably no one in the room that can solve your problem. Why don't we actually get some smart young engineers who know what they're doing and try to get the problem solved? Within 10 minutes, the problem gets solved. Mm. That's the future. That is the leader of the future. Yeah. Now, one of my coaching clients was J.P. Garnier. J.P. was CEO of GlaxoSmith client. I said, what did you learn about leadership as a CEO of GlaxoSmith client? He said, I learned one lesson. My suggestions become orders. My suggestions become orders. And every time you get promoted in leadership, more and more of your suggestions become orders. I said, what'd you learn from me? Before I talk, breathe and ask myself, is it worth it before I speak? And half the time it's not worth it. Alan Mulally, the guy said, Red, if Alan Mulally would have said, have you thought of what would have happened? Order. Yes, sir. Thought of it now, sir. Thank you, sir. Good idea, sir. And he'd run out and do an idiot idea and say, the CEO told me to do it. It takes a lot of discipline to say, you know what? I'm not the expert. I can't answer your question. Your peers are not the experts and you're not the expert and it's okay. You don't always have to be the expert. Quit faking it. Just admit you don't know what you're doing and find somebody that does. It's okay. Yeah. That's the new world. Yeah. I love that. And I've talked about that as well. I mean, the leader's job is not to be the smartest person in the room not to have all the answers to tell everyone what to do. It, it's to enable them to get their jobs done, right? To find the smart people and enable them to go get their jobs done and, and get out of the way and be a great coach as well 
uh, to help them live a happy, you know, have a happier career, right? And, and get their job done so that everybody can stay on plan and, and, and achieve their goals. Yeah. Um, last question for you, as things have been changing a lot uh, over the, the last few months, we've also seen um, the rise of the social justice movement after the death of George Floyd. And I think when it comes to leading organizations, developing people, building a great right. culture, we have to now really consider diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, how is that factoring into everything we do? And I'm sure a lot of the best leaders that you work with are also having those conversations. I'm just curious what you're hearing or seeing the best leaders do with regards to improving DEI for their organizations. You know what, I think it's an incredibly important topic and there are many people in the world more qualified to answer your question than me. So practicing my own thing, if I wrote the book, I talk about it. If I read the book, I don't talk about it. On that topic, I didn't write the book. Ask the person that wrote the book. Fair enough. Well, we do have several DEI experts <laughs> speaking on the summit. Um, ask them. Wait, but uh, ask them. Why? Why? Fair is, enough. Uh, 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 wait, wait, wait. In my book, what got you here? Two words you never start a sentence with. No but or however. You just said but, but. Very bad. My clients lose $20 every time they do that. But, but, what the hell does that mean? But, 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 very bad habit. So you owe $40 to your favorite charity for doing that. But, but nonsense. You when people it. talk to you, you never start to say the no butter, however, because all you're doing is trying to prove they're wrong. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for the feedback. So I'll give you some free coaching. Number one, don't say no butter, however. Number two, when somebody tells you something you already know, don't say you already knew it. You've done that at least three times in this conversation. I've told you something. You ask me a question, I tell you, and you point out you already knew it. Quit doing that. Thank, thank you, Marshall. Thank you for the feedback, thank Marshall. You thank you thank so you much, Marshall. It. Thank you. That's good. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. <laughs> There you go. Help other people, and I'm getting, I'm getting uh, the lesson and the coaching right here. I, I greatly appreciate Well, it's very hard. You see, this is a smart person's problem. It's very hard for a smart person to hear someone tell us what we already know without pointing out we already knew it. So, you know, when, when I teach everybody I coach is, look, you're the leader. They'll tell you something. You already knew it. But it's a great idea. Just say great idea. Hmm. You don't have to say I already knew that. It's a great idea. Yeah. Well, it's very easy here, but it's hard here. The other thing is, you see, in your how many tests have you taken in your life? How many tests? Thousands? Probably, yeah, I don't know. You've had to prove you're smart over and over again. How many times? Over and over. It's hard to stop. Hmm. It's incredibly difficult not to prove how smart we are over and over and over and over and over again. And every time you get promoted in leadership, I teach people, quit doing that. Quit doing that. At the bottom, you need to be an achiever. At the top, you need to be a leader. For the achiever, maybe it's about me. For the leader, it's about them. And it's very hard not to constantly prove how smart we are. Indeed. Thank you for the feedback, coaching, and advice, Marshall. Is there anything else? <laughs> <laughs> for our for our listeners who are trying to get better at their jobs and accelerate their careers and, and develop yeah. and engage their people during these virtual and volatile times, is there anything else you would add 
to help them? Yeah, I'm going to finish with my favorite coaching advice in the world. All right. And you can practice on this too. Ready? Take a deep breath. Your hand like this. Smile. Smile. Hand. Ah. Hand. You have to do your hand. Ah. Very good. Ah. Now, I want you to imagine you're 95 years old and you're just getting ready to die. But right before you take that last breath, you're given a beautiful gift. The ability to go back in time and talk to the person who's listening to me right now. The ability to help this person be a better leader, but much more important, have a better life. What advice would that wise 95-year-old you, who knows what mattered in life and what didn't, what was important and what wasn't, what advice would that wise old person have for the you that's listening to me right now? Don't just say anything or do anything. Just answer the question in your mind. Everyone listening to me, what advice would that old person have for you? Whatever you're thinking now, do that. In terms of performance appraisal, that's the only one that matters. That old person says you did the right thing, you did. That old person says you screwed up, you did. You don't have to impress anybody else. Some friends of mine interviewed old folks who are dying, got to ask this question, what advice would you have? On the personal side, three things. Theme number one, three words. Be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. Be happy now. The great Western disease, I'll be happy when. When I get the money status BMW condominium, I will be happy when. We all got the same when. That old person looking at death is when. We often get so busy chasing what we don't have, we can't see what we do have. And most people listening to this call have about everything. Now let's just take you, Andy. You might look at me and say, oh, lucky old man, 43 books, got millions of bucks, and lives in a big, look at the view, this is my view, pretty view, La Jolla, living on the beach. Lucky, lucky, lucky old man. Wish I could be him. Now, I got a question for you, Andy. How old are you? I'm 40 years old. Question. 40. Now, you see, I'm 71. So, I'm. how about a trade? You give me that 31 years, I'll give you a few million bucks and bestsellers. How about that? Want a no trade? Way. No way. No. You don't want to trade. You don't want to trade. You don't want to trade. So, you have something I, I do not have. 31 years. Don't get so busy chasing what you don't have, you forget the 31 years. You have a nice family, right? Yes. You're young. How many blessings do you have in life? Millions. Millions. When the blessings of life were passed out, were you staying at the back of the line or the front of the line? Oh, front. Near front, yeah. You're in the front. Don't get so busy looking at what you don't have, you don't appreciate all you do have. Number two, friends and family. Friends and family. Don't get so wrapped up with business and climbing that corporate ladder, you forget the people you love. So I'll do another survey. Do you believe customer satisfaction is important, Andy? Do I? Customer yeah. satisfaction. Is that it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, very important. Should we ask customers how we can do better? Absolutely. That's how we would learn, right? Absolutely. And listen to our good customers. Yeah. Yes. Now, you're married, is that correct? Yes. Have you been asking your wife, what can Andy do to be a better husband? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Learning point. <laughs> your wife is more important than your customers. Yeah, remember that one. Your wife, you get done with this call, you're going to ask, how can I, Andy, be a better partner here? 
100%. Okay. And then number three, <laughs> yeah, when we were beginning, you did a little critique of your wife. No, no, now we're going to switch those tables. You can do a little critique of Andy there. Then, uh, <laughs> and then number three is if you have a dream, go for it. Because you don't go for it when you're 40. You know what? You may not when you're 50. You probably won't when you're 80. It doesn't have to be a big one. Maybe you go to New Zealand, speak Spanish, play guitar. Other people think your dream is goofy. Who cares? It's not their dream. It's your dream. It's not their life. It's your life. Business is right. Say much. Number one, life is short. Have fun. Now, you're dealing with HR people mostly. Is that correct, Andy? Right. That's right. L&D. Well, my friend Dave Ulrich told me something. He said, you know, you can't have fun in HR. It's not going to stance. It's not going to get better in finance. Have some fun here. <laughs> Number two is a great, great blessing for all the people in this call. Talent development. Do what you can to help people. The main reason to help people has nothing to do with money or status or getting ahead. The main reason to help people is the 95-year-old you is going to be proud of you because you've been disappointed if you don't. The final advice is go for it. Life is short. You may not win. Just try. Old people, we don't regret the risk we take and fail. We regret the risk we fail to take. So finally, Andy, thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. Thank you, Marshall. And thank you so much for taking time. You have a good life. This was an incredible session. You've given so much value. You've given coaching to me uh, that I hope will be valuable to other people who have been listening and watching as well. Um, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this session. And uh, I hope you get tons of value and you go out and take action on Marshall's coaching and advice. Thank you so much, Marshall. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.